0: Good morning, Vlad. Good morning. How are you in this rainy day? It's perfect. I think it's a perfect weather for some podcasting. For staying indoors and doing some podcasting.
1: Yeah, no, you yeah. know. I agree. Just sit inside, chat while the rains. Uh, I think maybe it's raining already, I don't know.
0: So, welcome to Hacker Bio. It is our—I forgot what count. I think we might be at episode number nine at this point, which nice. is coming close to number ten, which seems like a milestone that is completely meaningless. Um, (laughs) uh, So Vlad, I would love for you to give us a quick intro about yourself and what do you do? Yeah, I'm a software
1: engineer. Currently, I work at Mozilla on the Firefox team. And uh, as part of my job, I have to work with open source a lot. So during my work hours, I work with open source projects. And uh, off hours, also try to contribute to other projects and stay in the know with the latest technology and latest projects that show up on GitHub. And uh, what else? Uh, I also play tennis and uh, play some video games sometimes when I have uh, when I, when I try to s- not to do open source, maybe switch off a bit.
0: Cool. Um, I don't remember the last time I played a video game. <laughs> I'm glad you have the time. So it's interesting. you there are not a lot of people who say they work in open source. As in, you get a paycheck to actually work in open source. And that's probably something unique to companies like Mozilla, of all the examples I can think of. Can you tell us a little bit about how that work environment may be like? Or is that any different than any other work environment? And what does the open source kind of twist on it means for you?
1: Yeah, so it's been a couple of years. So I sort of got used to it by now. Uh, but yeah, first couple of, uh, I think maybe months, it was a bit, I don't know what the word, maybe strange. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, everything I do, like somebody can go and on GitHub and take a look at everything I've done that day and maybe like even keep track of my work hours or something. It's uh, it's definitely interesting. And I think it's very unique environment in terms of we get a lot of benefits for being open source. We get contributors showing up and asking like, can I work on this issue? Can I commit code? Uh, that is awesome. And uh, we also get all these tools that are free for open source, which is great, all these CIs and so on. So there's a lot of all these interesting benefits, which I think, if I ever have to like switch jobs and work at a closed-source company, it would be. Just, I think it would be so weird for me. Uh, even though like the rest of the developers have to deal with it like, every day, uh, just keeping the code safe and not like not leak any of the internal issues or like uh, secrets or something like that. In our case, we just create public repos and just like, oh, here's this new idea, here's the new project we're working on. And, uh, right away, in some cases, you could get like blogs pick that up and say, oh, Mozilla is working on this new thing. Where it could be just somebody just create a repo and adds a fine description, but then it's like, oh, is this like this huge new project that's coming up and like mm-hmm. it's gonna be the next big thing? It depends. It's uh but yeah, we we create repos every day. And I think we have like also several organizations on GitHub as well, which is just uh Mozilla This, Mozilla Mobile, Mozilla General, and just uh and of course we have Firefox, which is has a GitHub mirror but also Amazilla Central, Firefox desktop and Firefox where Android code bases live in, in there. And uh, to me, it seems like those are a bit kind of hidden where you kind of have to Google for, how do I write a patch of Firefox? And you're like, well, check out this repo that's sort of a bit not so public, but uh, in terms of like visibility, um, but it's kind of one one search away, which is good. And I think in the future, we'll you know, if we have more and more projects on GitHub, so we'll have more and more visibility into uh, maybe some of the core products we work worked on and, Get more contributors that way.
0: It's interesting that you mentioned like how your work can be potentially scrutinized or viewed by anybody at any time. Yeah. And at the same time, like you know, working at companies like Mozilla, they're, they're a keystone of the internet and web technology in general. You know, a good example comes to mind, like MDN. It's always a reference I look up for anything in JavaScript or mm-hmm. HTML or CSS. So, what drove you to that kind of interest of coming to work in a place like Mozilla, where everything's open, everything is shared with the world? Yeah, it's.
1: It's definitely like the, the mission and the code should be kind of free and available and anybody should be able to you know, fork it if they want to or they have to and like do their own thing, uh, roll their own browser or maybe for example, set up their own server to sync their bookmark history and things like that. So having those options. And providing those options, that's kind of exciting. So it's like, maybe I, I can stop working on that project, but there's some continuity to it. Somebody can say, hey, this is a cool idea. I'm going to continue working on my own. and uh, Or maybe gather some ideas and maybe learn from mistakes or learn from how things are set up and kind of pushing that forward, the idea of open source code. For me, I think I started contributing to open source, and it was, it's was very exciting. It could be challenging at first in terms of finding the right projects, finding the right like organization, or even kind of your own path there. So I started that on GitHub and uh, contributing to JavaScript projects. That was great. And I'm like, hey, what if I had a full-time job doing sort of related things like that? Pushing code the same way, kind of creating issues, sending pull requests, having a community around it. That kind of really played out well for me in terms of, uh, it's like, now oh, I can do this for a living, which is great.
0: So one of the questions we ask all of our guests is like, how did you get into the industry Mm -hmm. and you kind of touched a little bit on that in terms of your current role, but I want to hear more about, you know, how you started period, like what attracted you to computers and programming in general, Mm -hmm. and what was your journey like from the early days to now being, you know, a member of a company like Mozilla and contributing to the open source and the web in general?
1: Yeah, getting started. I think it was, I remember the first time connecting to the internet, and it was the I think it was the Lego website or something. It was very ugly and gray, and they had maybe some gifs in there. And it's like I think it was one of the first websites they hooked up. And uh, and yeah, looking at that, I'm like, oh, that's cool. So anybody can visit that website and and browse around it, and then close the tab, go to another website. And this is very cool. And then there was a kind of boom of uh, free web hosting or like website builders, and I'm like, oh, this is this is interesting. I can write some stuff and link it or anybody can organically like find it like oh cool this is like sharing things you write things you build through the internet i think it just got me very excited mainly that idea that anybody can go and find this thing that you built uh sort of if you look at a kind of distributing software or something like that if you build software and you have kind of, okay you have to make people to like download it install it on your machine which is very kind of A bit of a slow setup there with the web you just you know go to the site uh it might ask you for like like these days like ask you for some permissions to activate camera or microphone like we did with this crowdcast thing here but um instantly after that after you accept the permissions the application is instantly available and you can use it right away so that kind of those ideas kind of drove me like okay i can start building on these simple sites at first uh, like in the old days some very scary javascript or like scary html with all like uppercase tags Kind of going from that into more like a web application development sort of thing. So looking into kind of spending time and say, uh, looking at like, well, it was Java applets maybe at first, it's like, okay, I'm going to learn Java here and like do a tutorial on Java and just do like self-learn a bit with a goal that now I can do more things on the web and more complicated things. And uh, that was kind of the starting point and just kind of learning, 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 okay, what are, what are the technologies? Even some technologies which are kind of more proprietary, I remember doing like, like I'm just gonna learn Silverlight, uh, <laughs> and look at it, spend two days on it. And it was, uh, I still remember like, it's a very strange move. Like, why would I spend time on that? But it was good learning experience. I built a thing with it. And even though I think it's, yeah, it's probably, I don't think anybody has, I don't think there are any Silverlight applications today. So that was kind of, I'm glad I got out early out of that, right? That's a bit of a dead end there, but uh, it was great. Kind of learning, learning, like new things shows up. Okay, even like older things like Java, Java applets, just kind of spending a few days to invest some time into learning new things. And uh, it pays off, even if you do something like Silverlight, which just didn't go anywhere. But uh, having the drive to learn, I think that was kind of the biggest thing to kind of not get locked down to like, okay, I'm just going to do JavaScript. And uh, for some strange reason, I will not do other things because they're just like, Another programming language, I don't like, I want to stick with JavaScript because I'm loyal to it or something. So that was never the case. I was just kind of uh, keeping the head open and just uh, trying out things, see how they work. And uh, yeah, that kind of led me to just getting into getting strong in open source land, which is, okay, now I build things for myself. Now I think I can go and interact with the community and uh, contribute to the never-ending list of JavaScript projects. There's always something new in the JavaScript world, so like my big recommendation for anybody listening to this, uh, yeah, go ahead and just try to contribute to something cool like Webpack or something like that on GitHub. I think it's a very good learning experience, very good, especially with Webpack, like a very good organization to contribute to. And
0: uh, yeah. It's like I always say, it's Thursday, so we must create a new JavaScript framework.
1: Yes, yeah. So there's always options to like learn and learn, and, and that, yeah, JavaScript allows you to do that, and GitHub allows you to do that, so it's a very, it could be challenging in some cases, but it's if you're kind of set to learn, maybe like concepts of Git, concepts of JavaScript. It's very good to uh, to get into that, and uh, you don't have to have the skills. Like for instance, like you don't have to have like strong JavaScript skills. You can just slowly ramp up, like get free kind of free coding lessons, out of not know, because from code review of the maintainers of the project, and they, at first they could be like, what are you, what on earth are you doing here? This is some strange code. And then months later you are like, you could be a core maintainer of some plugin and know this thing and, and know the best patterns over a certain module or something like that. So being able to kind of get into projects like that and talk to people online and, and just ask them, okay, what needs to be done here for the next release and things like that. I, I feel like that helped me like skyrocket. <laughs> Towards like the uh, towards like Mozilla and maybe larger open source projects and things like that. So and maybe get to know more people in the industry and meet new people and it's very kind of useful in our case <laughs> to have uh, certain connections to uh, you, maybe a...
0: on a... yeah yeah. You've touched on a couple of topics here. I want to double click on and then talk more about. You talked about learning, you talked about the community, you talked about opportunities for growth in open source and how you can use that to grow yourself. There's also perhaps something like in terms of sharing back your learning, because I know, for example, you're part of the Node School group in Toronto. You spend a lot of your time with open source, obviously, uh, sharing back a lot of that knowledge. But let's start with learning first. How do you even keep up with all the it's Thursday, let's make a new JavaScript framework (laughs) Kind of (laughs) world that we live in? Or even like with all the technologies and frameworks and programming languages? Because like you said, you're interested in learning all these things, but are you able to? Are you able to spend the time or should you be able to spend the time on, on that?
1: Yeah, learning new things, I think it feels like it's a lot of work, but... Actually, if you just invest maybe 30 minutes or like every day to just git clone something and try to run it locally on your machine and make a small tweak to it, I think that's probably my approach. Like, okay, can I run it on my machine? How easy was it to run on my machine? Like, did I have to compile OpenSSL and wait two hours? Or it would just npm install, npm start? <laughs> and uh, it would it, like it showed me like a local development or local view of the app or a project or like the, some command line tool ran and it worked. And then, kind of, yeah, I get it run locally and then I try to tweak it. Maybe, okay, I'm going to just change some strings here. See how the how it reacts, right? How I can make some changes. Maybe make some different output. Maybe try to break it and things like that. So with that, I think you get to understand how it's built. How the, uh, for example, in the case of an open source project, how the development team works on it and what challenges they have. I remember for the longest time, I think the most challenging thing for me, and might sound weird to somebody, is just, uh, setting up like Ruby on Rails, because I really wanted to learn it. It was, at the time, it was the next big thing, and uh, I had like a ThinkPad laptop, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get started, and it was like, not cooperating at all. It's like PowerShell, CMD in, in Windows, and it just like, basically, I think it's some issues, people are like, it's not supposed to work on Windows or something. Else. So I went as far as like, building my own Hackintosh, and like, okay, uh, this is my investment, I'm going to build a Hackintosh, so, and then... With that, of course, I had to invest all the time to like learn how to build a Hackintosh, but it was just like one command away to get Ruby on Rails going. So that was awesome that I kind of learned that. So it, it was a bit of an investment in terms of it's kind of totally unrelated thing that I need to learn, to, to, to learn Ruby on Rails and to play around with it. But it was a fun experience that I can laugh about today. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's kind of a, in itself is a metaphor for software programming, right? Like you want to do one thing, yeah. then you have to do all these other things, build all this other custom Hackintosh stuff, yeah. just so you can run a Ruby on Rails command, just to see how it is. You're not even like building anything yet.
1: Yeah, it's not a bit critical, but it's a, it's a good good learning experience. Yeah. So I would suggest, uh, and I think over the years I kind of developed this, uh, I'm able to like look at the GitHub Explorer section uh, where all the new projects pop up. Uh, depending on like if people who I know or follow start it or like just a spike in popularity of like I think maybe like general GitHub population starts the project. Looking at those things and just kind of looking at the READMEs, looking at the files like how do they how do they build the project and you kind of see like oh this is a very well structured project. Uh, even looking at those silly things like badges and like oh this you know this maintainer put some thought into setting up this project, setting up like dependency version checks, maybe some security checks the code climate, all that stuff. Uh, and it's like, oh yeah, this is somebody, somebody's really passionate about this. It's this probably like a good project here. Uh, so I star it and maybe later a few days I can come back to it, uh, revisit it in more of a kind of detailed form. So yeah, I think GitHub really helps me kind of stay on top of those uh, latest tech, latest, uh, latest things. Yeah. And yeah, I would suggest to anybody just follow the latest kind of open source projects and you kind of see, you start to see trends I'm like which frameworks are more popular. So like other like 50 new React related tools released this month, so, like, oh, it seems like React is doing well and there's a good community around it. The same with like programming languages like Rust or uh, any new things. Like, Okay. So it seems like. There's more Rust things released than Ruby things this month. So maybe I should you know, spend some time looking at Rust uh, in some form to kind of not lose track of it and uh, stay ahead of the crowd a bit with the knowledge there. And uh, I think it's it's very, uh,
0: yep. Yeah. Is that is that just a, I mean, you can take that example across so many different programming languages. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to keep track of? Like, how do you make that decision for yourself? And perhaps like there's something there in terms of, there's always going to be a new programming language. How much of investment are you going to have in terms of getting an ROI on your investment? And- yeah, like,
1: I think going back to that, where it's like, I'm going to look at the, all the tooling and kind of what kind of ecosystem is this creating here? Uh, are there more and more like, tools built with that language? Uh, are there any actual examples of like, good open source projects, very like, strong open source projects built in that language? Uh, that's like with JavaScript. It was like, oh, there's all these new things popping up in there. Like, one thing is better than the next one. It's like definitely something to keep track of, and then it's like follow the latest patterns and like the way projects are structured, uh, how they're built, how they're the latest kind of like dependencies that they use. Okay, they have like they use like Express or something or other other frameworks that like okay, this seems like a very like a backbone. Express is like backbone for like Node.js projects and things like that. So in some cases, some, some programming languages like there's very like smaller community, but it's like but it has like unique projects built in that. So. I think with things like Elm or something, like a friend who is very passionate about Elm. So I try, I probably like try to learn Elm a bit, but I think at this point, I'm just kind of looking at people. What, are, what are good, cool things that are built in Elm. And I'll probably like, maybe I'll use those at some point, but I probably won't invest too much time in Elm until it's uh, maybe like version one or something. Uh, and kind of, there's like a staple release of it. Um,
0: So a lot of what you also mentioned earlier, like, you know, as part of learning, you're also sharing back, right? You're sharing back either through, Mm -hmm. you know, open source and contributors and sharing kind of knowledge or information through and that's one method of learning. But you also spend a lot of your time with, you know, programs like Node School and others. Like, Mm -hmm. why do you do that? (laughs) What's in it for you to help the incoming developer or the next person coming in trying to learn something else? Why do you spend your time and energy on that?
1: One of the kind of human
0: things is like, oh, you make
1: new friends,
0: you get to be part of the community.
1: That is awesome more selfish reasons, I guess you learn, your skills get stronger, you maybe this thing that you did like dozen times in your work related project, but once you have to explain it, and like, people talk about uh, a lot about this, but once you have to explain it to somebody in total detail up to like the lowest level, like, okay, why does node do this? Like, how does this make this HTTP request? Well, we go like, okay, here's how you build node. And like, this is where it actually does the, the request magic happens. So yeah, like, it's, it's definitely part of the learning and getting to the point where, yeah, you can explain things and you're like, okay, you, you ask yourself, like, why, why does this do it this way? Like I've done, made a HP request to node so many times, but like what happens actually in the background, like let's, let's dive deeper and like, let's build node locally and, uh, you know, make changes to the way it makes the HP requests or something like that, and, and, uh, tr- change some of the low level modules. So, that's, I think, yeah, like learning experience and things like that. Before I was actually like contributing to open source, I was hanging out in the RC channel and jQuery and was just helping people with the simple problems where it's like making AJAX requests as well. And that kind of also helped me I was like, okay, I, I know jQuery, but like, uh, now I get to you know, invest some time in, in people's projects. And they're like, they have this setup, which is maybe a huge page with a bunch of like the image galleries, blah, blah, blah. And then they have this small module and you get like, they ask you a question, like, here's a bunch of code, I'm stuck. And you get this exercise of like, okay, I'm going to go through and try to understand it, read their setup and figure out a solution. I think that's kind of a very important skill. It's sort of like a uh, bit of a training exercise, maybe for like real jobs where you have to solve like harder problems. You get to kind of help this person online, which you don't know, or you have no investment in their project. And you maybe, you know, maybe you fail and you can't help them uh, and it's fine, but it's a good kind of, you train a bit beforehand and then next time when you actually have to Deal with your own project and maybe a similar issue. You're like, oh, I you know, I, I approached this before on this random like helping this random person on IRC. Now I'm kind of, I can be more efficient and, and uh, have like higher skill to kind of solve my own problem with the same like the same jQuery or JavaScript or any other thing you're working on. So uh, yeah, I think giving back to the community and just kind of yeah helps you learn, helps you meet new people, and helps you kind of discover new things as part of that. You get to see what people are working on and what people are passionate about. And uh, it's all part of like the kind of the learning and the human experience. It's great.
0: So you also mentioned that you spend a lot of your personal time doing open source stuff outside of the job open source stuff. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like even as part of the idea of contributing and learning and or contributing back to somebody who's learning, uh, there's a lot of your personal time spent on things. So, I mean, one of the things, for example, for me, I find it a bit hard to articulate the enjoyment I get or the value I get for myself of Spending all my additional time outside of work on building yet more code and building more software mm-hmm. and creating more projects. Um, and like I try to explain that to my wife or explain that to my parents and my family and my friends who are non-technical. And it's always, <laughs> but you're already doing that nine to five. Why are you spending these extra hours doing the same thing, looking at the same computer screen, doing the same work? But it's not the same work. And there's, there's a certainly a level of enjoyment in the creation of things. Uh, I want to hear your take on it. And, and why do you invest so much of your personal time in it as well?
1: Uh, yeah, I guess several reasons. I think the the more I reflect on it, I think the biggest reason there is just the more freedom you get. It's like you know, I'm just gonna hack on this thing. There's nobody to stop me or complain about something or like no, there's no, no code review even, right? I'm just okay. the push code and I'm just gonna go like ah, I'm just gonna go type crazy for work. Yeah, go crazy and you you, know, you don't get the same like especially I think with this unique contrast where it's like Mozilla open source work uh, during the day and maybe like open source hacking in the evening. Uh, yeah, you get the freedom you get, and you kind of kind of cherish that freedom. It's okay. I don't have to like follow any commit guidelines or anything. I'm just gonna send like just dozens of commits and not worry about it. So, uh, yeah, the freedom is great. And then also, I think yeah, it, it it's the way kind of to explore new new things and learn new things that we talked about. Just uh, I'm just gonna start working on a project in the language that I don't use at work or something. I guess. so you it's good to have that. So the freedom to explore. And I think so far, like. Doing those explorations into like, like I'm going to hack on Elm stuff or I'm going to hack on like some Rust stuff. It kind of always, always came back to me and like, okay, I've done this in my like open source evening hours. And now I can like make a decision for like some of the work projects. I'm like, oh, this was great. This worked out great in my evening session here. I'm going to bring it uh, into my kind of work environment. And kind of, it's great to kind of save you time and helps you be more efficient at work. Uh, but I think that shouldn't be the driving force. So like, I'm not like, uh, I'm not going to hack on open source. Cause some one day, like this project will become kind of an, a work project. Probably not, but it's good to kind of spend some time hacking on some uh, weird things. And maybe just, uh, I think if you're passionate about coding and you, you can, uh, can find the time and just say, okay, let's go crazy. I'm going to try this new framework today. Uh, and kind of, you have to shut down a place in your mind where it's like, and you have like, that it's just like work stuff. Or maybe like some of the stricter rules you have maybe like some security things implications i like okay i'm just gonna close that down i can like write whatever here and maybe create some new module or, uh, maybe a new javascript
0: framework uh, it is a thursday
1: <laughs> so we should probably yeah get on that this evening
0: um i want to also hear what, what do you do outside of tech and outside of programming because you mentioned you play tennis as a hobby mm-hmm. um you mentioned you spend a lot of your time doing contributing to open source and and learning new things but I imagine that's not the only thing you do. And you probably do a lot of personal things outside of the technology space. You know, one of our previous guests also goes as far as saying, like they the moment they disconnect, they completely disconnect. Mm -hmm. They don't even, they live in a remote town where nobody even understands computers or technology. And when they disconnect from doing the work, they're, they're just, you know, completely disconnected from everything in all true sense of the word uh so i want to know like what do you do to disconnect and where do you spend your time outside of you know hacking on elm and <laughs> trying to make build a hackintosh just so you can run a ruby command
1: yeah yeah I think, I think tennis is probably like my go-to thing to disconnect i've been thinking about this earlier this week and it's like it's uh, when you're on the court and you're playing against an opponent and uh Or like any of the competitions or something that's the truly you truly disconnect there you don't have your phone in there i know some people play with their apple watch which is crazy because you get like a phone call and i don't know, it's super distracting but it's good because you get to disconnect and you get to like get into the match that's where you get the feeling of disconnection okay now i'm not thinking about any of the tech stuff or anything i'm just thinking how can i like beat this opponent or something or how do i become more better at tennis or you know better at sports also i think besides tennis i go running and it's also very good to kind of switch off and just you know i'm going to focus on you know try to beat a certain time that i you know i said earlier uh, and uh yeah, that definitely helps. Definitely helps disconnect. And, uh, sports is great. You know, you, you sit in a chair or something, or you have, a, even if you have a standing desk or something like that, you still got of, you got to keep active. And, uh, um, I think it helps to kind of have those sessions when you're not hacking on something and just you come back to it with a fresh mind. And it's like, I totally did some other thing just now. And, then, you know, back at it, you solve, you solve a problem, which is, which is great. You don't you just focus on something for eight hours and, like, you're stuck. Um, those breaks are, I think, very important. Like, yeah, people should, uh, I highly recommend to everybody you know, again listening to this. You know, find a hobby that's like helps totally disconnect and uh, helps you forget about like all oh, this like npm command that I just ran failed. I'm just gonna kind of feel sad about it all day. Like, no, find an activity that's especially I think maybe like keeps you active and uh, switches like context switches your body from typing on the keyboard all day and maybe like sitting staring at a like a single screen do something else like relax your eyes and your body
0: a bit (laughs) well it's an important topic because there's a little bit of that stereotype in our industry of you know programmers and developers are just on a computer all day long or that's all they do, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no other interest, uh, perhaps, for, as at least as the stereotype goes. But that's like, you know, the reason I ask those things and I think it's important to talk about is because when you look at the, let's say, the next generation of developers or people just getting into the industry today, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are they looking at as the examples? What are they actually looking at as the kind of reference point, if you will? And it's hard to find a good balance or a good story to tell that's, you know, representative of the industry as a whole. Uh, Because certainly there's the bad and there's the good. uh, But I think generally speaking, it's what you said. It's like, you know, people who are passionate about programming and technology in general or building things and, uh, you know, People who invest their own time and their own energy in learning and, and sharing and, and discovering new things, uh, regardless or not of their job and regardless or not of what their role is. Um, so I think, you know, there's something important there to, to message back to the community. But I want to hear what your thoughts on, you know, do you think the pattern you described and the way you do your work and you live your life mm-hmm. is something people can look at and learn from or is it... You know, as an example, is the amount of energy and effort you put into the community and the open source work something that you think every developer should look into in terms of mm-hmm. improving their growth and their career and, you know, a pattern for success, perhaps? Or maybe is, are there other patterns also to follow? What do you think?
1: It's, it's one pattern. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I
0: recommend everyone to try it. Like, you know, you don't have to be like some open source master, like
1: having a bunch of repos and like this is the this is my goal. No, no. Try to, I think two things to try, yeah, building like your own personal project, personal open source project and uh, seeing what goes into that, doing like several releases of it, maybe see, seeing like, is there any contributors showing up or something? Is anybody actually using this? It's, it's important. And then also contributing to like, I got the open source project, which is totally unrelated, maybe to even what you do at work or the languages you know. That's very good, uh, like a very good experience. And some people might find that's like, it's kind of rewarding and also very good learning experience, good for their uh, tech, technological development. Uh, But some people, you know, it might not be their thing, which is fine, but I think it's something to try and, uh, and kind of learn from what it takes to kind of maintain an open source project and also contribute to one and get your patches accepted and how that whole thing works. I'm uh, on more general note. I think yeah, I think one path to maybe is some sort of success is just keep learning things and keeping your mind open and spending investing time and in not get to like siloed into one thing. Like don't try to try out to new things. Try compare like maybe like maybe just compare like I don't know. Uh, we're just gonna do Java versus JavaScript. Like don't say okay Java is horrible blah blah. I mean you can like try to build an Android app or something like that in Java or Kotlin these days and just. Uh, Try it out, see how it is, and you don't you don't have to like say okay, Android is horrible or something like that. I mean, sure it has its like downsides or something, but you can you try it, you get a lot out of it. You uh, just spend some time, invest some time in learning it, and one day you might you know somebody shows up and like okay, we need to fix this problem call, and you're like you know I don't haven't done this in a while, but uh, you get you get your return
0: on investment there.
1: So that's my my suggestion
0: there. <laughs> just keep learning things. So do you have any advice for people who are from the outside in looking at our industry, looking at, you know, the work we do? And like, there's also that stereotype of, you know, developers get paid a lot of money and they get to travel around the world and speak in conferences and do these kind of things, right? Obviously, not everybody does that, but there's a little bit of that, you know, glamorous view into it if you're on the outside looking in, right? It seems fun. I mean, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, And it seems interesting, which it is. But it's also challenging and it's hard like any other kind of industry or profession. Uh, what advice can you give for people on the outside looking in who are non-technical, non-developers and they're looking to switch careers, perhaps they're already in a different career, looking to like, learn programming, get into it, start building their own stuff, or perhaps they're just you know students they're just looking at figuring out what, what path to follow mm-hmm. uh, and looking at software development and software computer science as a path. Any advice you have to give there?
1: Uh, yeah, I think maybe some people don't realize that there's a lot of like Free and maybe like free options to get into this, uh, right? So you can. That's a thing. I guess I should, I, I'm not going to mention anything by name, but like there's plenty of resources. Even if you just go to GitHub and there's some learning. Code school. Yeah, is old School. Yeah, we could plug that. Um, it, like, if, for example, yeah, if you if you want to get into even in the most basic, like you heard JavaScript is good or something like that on somewhere, somebody tweeted that, and you're like, you know what, I'm going to switch careers. I'm going to try programming. But yeah, you'll find those options like. You'll find options that are free and it will let you try. So you don't have to like, I think maybe some people might think it's a huge investment in terms of money or something like that. I have to commit, like, it's almost like maybe some people get to, they think that, okay, um, I go to university, I'm going to select this, like, I'm going to be a specialist in this area and you have to like make that decision and commit yourself to like years and years of learning with that, with like programming and things like that and maybe like web application development or like uh, software, yeah, yeah, you can try it, try some of the free options, uh, see how you feel about it. You know, maybe two or three, it's like, okay, maybe try node and like, okay, make, it looks like node is not not my thing, because it's like, I can't build anything in that. But maybe there's a different, different node school that is not node, you can, you can try that and say, like, Okay, this, this one better, maybe you can kind have, of, you have to invest a bit of time again, just kind of see, try the waters, I guess, and uh, kind of use those use those options and kind of see if you can on your own without kind of paying anybody, can you just on your own? Force yourself to learn this new thing and uh, stay with it, and like not hate it, and uh, make some progress there. So it's like, oh, you know what? This is working out well. Now I can commit either to uh, to like a course or something, or several weeks into this. Now it's like, again kind of ramp up your skills there and, and try it. And yeah, yeah, just use those use those options. Research, research the free options. There's always an option. You don't have to like put thousands of dollars on the table right away. And like it's like this is the. It's a
0: free trial, right?
1: Get yeah, a free yeah, trial. yeah.
0: Cool. Well, I mean, this has been a very uh, insightful conversation. I think there's there's definitely something to share and learn in the context of if you have the passion, if you have the ability to learn, if you have the interest in go chase it, and don't just chase it within a job or within or within a boundary of a you know a project you're working on there's definitely more opportunities for you to contribute to the community as a whole and to the industry as a whole by you know doing a little bit more in open source before we go vlad a couple last questions mm. if you weren't doing software development if you're not doing programming oh. what would you do professional tennis player uh that's not very
1: hard right where i play the more i'm more uh, amazed that like the you know you see those professional players you know like how much they put into it and like how much risk they put into it like they have these people and like coaches and so on that rely like they're like there's a lot of stake there like if you miss that ball like you blend let down your whole team so it's like that's, that's a, the risk i don't want to take uh but i would i would certainly look into building things maybe like Architect, but not software architect, like some built some buildings or
0: something. I don't know, <laughs> so it's about building, it's
1: about creating for you, right? It's about creating that something you can showcase later. So, that yeah, hopefully, I can like, yeah, set things like, okay, I built this. I don't want to go into hardware because I got involved in the software, but yeah, maybe buildings you build something, you're like, cool, this you know, this is a building I, like this. I designed this building and the windows are so and so, and like it's got these these cool features, like especially, yeah, I think it's just buildings nowadays, like all the tech stuff that goes into that as well, it's cool. So yeah, maybe that's, that's kind of the parallel universe of why somewhere's uh, designing buildings. Uh, I like the, all the university buildings, those are pretty crazy. Uh, and university look into like,
0: why did they do this thing? They just get creative. Yeah, they, they get creative. Oh, that's cool. University buildings are like the side open source projects. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, that would probably be my answer there. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, and is there anything you'd like to plug? Uh, no, you can. I guess GitHub slash Vladikov. You can find
1: me there, or tweet at me, Twitter slash Vladikov. Uh, if you have any questions uh, about open source or anything, or maybe any projects, anything about JavaScript or Rust or anything about Mozilla or open source, again, definitely. Uh, you can also if you if you don't want to type things too long in a URL bar, just type vf.io. Uh, that will redirect me, redirect you to my website, and that you can
0: find me there. Very cool. You got your own URL shortener too. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Well, Vlad, thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been a very insightful conversation. Lots of takeaways. We'll find you on Twitter. We'll follow you on Twitter. Anybody who has questions, go bug Vlad on Twitter about Mm -hmm. his open source project or his tennis game. (laughs) Um, And uh, that's it. Thank you so much, Vlad. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Thank you. This, This was excellent. Lots of fun.